Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Thank you guys for that. A big round of applause for everybody that took part in worship this morning. It's good to be up here as we continue our series in Galatians. Freedom from sin is found in Jesus. That's the overarching theme of Galatians. But the book starts out with a defense of the gospel and a defense of the apostle Paul. And that's where we're going to be uh, in, in this morning. Last week, Pastor Matt preached his message, The One and Only Gospel. This one and only gospel tells us that we can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this time that we can come together and we can hear the truth of your word, where we could sing songs of worship to you, and we could just enter in this relationship. Lord, I just pray that this morning your truth goes forward, Lord, and it pierces our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This gentleman you see up on the screen is a gentleman by the name of Motaba Hasieni. He is the leader of the fastest house church in Iran. Well, that was until the authorities raided his church and arrested him and sentenced him to three years in a notorious Evan prison. Like all Iranian Christians, Hasiana knew the risks involved with his underground activities, according to a report by a group called Open Doors. They asked him, why didn't you stop the work of your church after you were first arrested? He goes on to say, I don't really know. There was no logical explanation, but we felt that the Lord wanted us to continue, so we did. We knew this would mean at any moment we would be arrested again. After his latest arrest, he was sentenced for more than three years in prison. For most of his prison term, he was in a block with murderers, robbers, and drug dealers. He said, I felt this deep, deep, deep fear inside of me. And often, even though I was close with the Lord, I was so sad about my, my situation, I became depressed. He said when circumstances appeared hopeless, he just went all in. And this one prayer to God, he said, this is all I can do. And he said at first, there were prayers of like repentance. He thought maybe God was punishing him for something. But he said, that is when the Lord spoke to me the loudest. He said, stop being selfish, Motaba. It's not about you. Look around you. He began to look at the desperate people around him with a new set of eyes as God sees them. He said, I saw poor people and people who had committed the worst crimes, but people that felt so alone. Suddenly, Hasiani felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to start sharing God's word with the prisoners around him. He said, God spoke to me again, and he said, it's time that you share me with them. They need me. So tentatively at first, he began to share his testimony and the gospel with other prisoners. And something amazing started happening. Some people received Jesus and they were born again. 
Others were happy to just receive prayer from him, even though they were continuing to have doubts. So he thought, I need a Bible. He began to boldly request one from the guards. He said, but I didn't get one. None of the Christians did. They are strictly forbidden. I mean, that is why he's in prison, right? But God heard his prayer and provided scripture through one of the most unlikely sources. Shockingly, it was the prison imam who is like an Islamic priest or pastor. This imam who came every day to pray with the Muslim inmates offered to help. He was impressed by our commitment to God, Hacienda said. Just as God used Pharaoh and other unbelievers in the Bible, God softened this imam's heart and used him as an instrument to bring the truth. But getting a Bible into this prison was next to impossible. But it was the imam who came up with this creative idea. Daringly, he brought printouts of the Bible disguised as English lessons. And one of Hacienda's friends in the cell block knew English and translated into Farsi. A buzz spread among the prisoners that the Bible verses were being passed around. People were asking us for more. And the best thing was is that the prisoners were giving their lives to Jesus of the Bible. That's amazing stuff, amen? So in this amazing turn of events, God was able to get his word into an Iranian prison and use the help of somebody that, no, humanly speaking, no one would have ever thought of. Someone who didn't even believe Christians worshipped the right God. Someone who, for the most part, should have been vehemently against risking their own lives to smuggle in Scripture, the Bible. Because someone at most times would have been an enemy of the Bible. But we see here when God wants to do something, he does it, right? Also, sometimes he does it in a way that doesn't make any human sense. Which I believe is awesome. That's why the title of today's sermon is, The Right Wrong Man for the Job. It's a little confusing, but the right wrong man for the job is sometimes exactly what we need. See, Paul was this right wrong man for the job. Much like this Islamic imam, no one would have thought to pick the apostle Paul, who was Saul, to be an instrument of spreading the gospel. He, we would have said that he was all wrong for this job. I mean, at that point, he was actually persecuting the Christian church. But God had way different plans. He proclaimed that Paul was exactly the right man for the job. Today we'll be reading in Galatians about Paul. Paul is actually being accused by some of these Christians that he's not preaching the true gospel and he's not really a, a, a real apostle, a true apostle. As I said, he was actually known for being a zealous Jew who hated Christianity and wanted Christians arrested. But we'll see today how he was actually handpicked by Jesus and given the truth of the gospel and commissioned to go preach it. Remember, this guy's life mission was to personally destroy the church. But he would go on to author over a dozen books in the New Testament and be probably the greatest Christian missionary of all time. 
Let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 24. I'm going to go ahead and read through these 25 verses. If you are following in your Bibles or up on the screen. Verse 10, it says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Caiaphas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except for the James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. If we took those 25 verses and we boiled them down into one main idea, we would get this. The gospel message is from God, not from man. It's not man's message to man. The gospel message is from God, but is sometimes spread by the most unlikely sources. It's not always spread by those who we would imagine would spread the gospel. Let's get into these verses to see why this statement is true. Starting back in, in verse 10. See, Paul was the most unlikely to be an apostle because he was a zealous Jew persecuting the church. But look what he says here. He has no need for their approval to do so. I love how Paul starts this off. He says, for I, am I now seeking the approval of man? Or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not even be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. This is not a, this is not a message. This is not an idea that came from man. So Paul's response to being attacked uh, by those saying that he wasn't preaching the right gospel and that he wasn't really an apostle was, listen, people, I am not here to please man. If I was here to please man, I wouldn't even be a servant of Christ. He explains from the start that he does not seek man's approval, but the approval of God. You see, these same people that were calling themselves Christians were preaching a gospel that was works-based. Paul's gospel was faith-based. It's like they were saying, Paul, 
you ain't the right kind of religious, man. You need to get your religion right. And Paul was like, whoa, whoa. I think Paul found this religion word like offensive. He's like, religious? Who are you calling religious? Your mama's religious. He did not like that word. I don't like that word religious either. When someone says, oh, you know, that's, you know, a family member says, oh, that's our cousin Jared. He's very religious. I'm like, and all of a sudden they're like backing away from me. It's, it's weird. I don't like it. But he explains how religion is man's game. And if he wanted to be religious, he wouldn't even be preaching the gospel at all. In verses 13 and 14, he talks about how he was already the most religious zealot that you could find in Judaism. That religion was actually anti-gospel. And he's saying, you know, it's not different than the ones you guys are preaching. But in verses 11 and 12, he explains he is only preaching the truth that was told by Jesus himself. He is preaching the truth of the gospel, and it doesn't have anything to do with man's approved religion. In fact, he left religion to pursue the very truth that he was trying to destroy. And that brings us to our first point. Paul left religion to be a servant of the truth. The Apostle Paul actually left religion to be a servant of the truth. Paul was like, no thanks, I tried religion, it made me do some real evil things. But he said, you see, I met this Jesus, and he changed me forever. Verses 15 through 17, Paul goes on to explain what he means by this gospel came from God. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Speaking of Damascus, y'all heard what happened to Saul on the way to Damascus one time? If you're not familiar with that story, this is probably one of my, it's one of the most amazing events in, in, in Scripture. It's one of my favorite. You see this guy, Saul, who is this religious zealot, for Judaism, was trying to go around and round up all these Christians to have them imprisoned because they were an enemy of his religion, runs into the resurrected Jesus himself. It was the last time in Scripture we see the resurrected Christ. He runs into the resurrected Jesus himself. He has the ultimate come-to-Jesus meeting. So basically, in short, he runs into Jesus, he believes in all the things that Jesus tells him, he becomes saved, and from that moment on, never stopped preaching the gospel and the resurrected Christ. Not even after being beaten, not even after being imprisoned, not even after being stoned and left for dead, he refused to stop preaching the gospel and telling everyone how he met the resurrected Jesus himself. This man, this same man who is hell-bent on destroying Christianity, sounds like he ran into something real. 
He got the truth from the truth himself. He didn't need to go consult anybody about what he knew to be true. Paul had no need to consult man or religion anymore. He got the gospel from Jesus himself. In fact, part of that story, if you go back and read in Acts chapter 9, is kind of the account of this. There's this guy named Ananias. And Jesus speaks to this guy who was a disciple. And he said, listen, I'm going to send this Saul. He's going to come to your house and you're going to help him. By the way, he's blind. You'll see what I'm talking about when he gets there. And Ananias is like, really? Saul? Like this guy that's trying to have us all arrested and put in prison? Like, really? But in Acts 9.15, Jesus says this. It's not on the screen, but Jesus says this to Ananias. He says, Saul, or Paul, is my chosen instrument to bring my name to the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. He said, don't worry about it. I know he's a bad guy. But he's my chosen instrument to carry this out. Brings us to our second point. Paul was chosen by Jesus, changed forever, and could not stop telling the world about it. No matter what they did to him, he could not stop telling the world about what happened. Paul didn't need man's approval, and he would never at any point stop preaching the truth of the gospel. And this reminds us of our main idea, which is the gospel message is from God, not from man, not from religion, but is sometimes spread by the most unlikely sources. Just like that story we heard of the Islamic imam smuggling God's word into an Iranian prison so that others may hear the truth of the gospel and be saved. When God wants to do something, he does it. Amen? And most, sometimes he uses the most unlikely people to do it. As we get into our last chunk of verses, verses 20 through 24, Paul wraps up by giving more evidence that he really was preaching the gospel. He says, in what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So Paul wraps up this point by pointing out, yeah, I get it. I was still unknown by most of the church, the first church of Judea. And he gets why people would question his apostleship. Because you know what? To most Christians, he was a bad dude and ran a bad bunch of boys. So I heard. But even being unknown by those in Judea, they heard. They heard what he was preaching. And they glorified God because of it. Because he was preaching the truth of the gospel. They glorified God because this same guy who was trying to snuff out the truth of the gospel was now preaching it. They didn't like him. They didn't think that he was someone that should be preaching the gospel. They, were, they knew his past. They knew how bad he was. But they listened and they started to hear the message that he was preaching and realized he's preaching the true gospel. 
This brings us to our third and final point. The gospel was being preached by an enemy of the church, and God was being glorified because of it. See, Paul was making the point that even those who thought them their mortal enemy realized he was speaking the truth of the gospel, and that encouraged them. That made them praise God. That not only do they have to not worry about this guy hunting them down and throwing them in prison, but now he was one of their strongest allies. How amazing is that? As we begin to wrap up, and I call Mike up, I just want to kind of review some of the points that we learned today, but I want us to think about this. As we're going through these, think about how the gospel is not our message. Now what I mean by that, it's our message to preach, but it's not from us. When we're trying to explain the gospel to those outside these walls, or you know, even to, to those in here that might not be so familiar with the gospel, we need to make it clear, this is not my idea, this is not from me, this is not from religion. It's not a, some religion, but it's the only way for man to be made right with God. We don't get to pick and choose what it is. First, we learn this. Paul left religion to be a servant of the truth. Now, I, I realize to most of the people in the outside world that sounds like an oxymoron. You know, in the world's eyes, Paul just left one religion for another big deal. But we as Christians should know there's way more to being a servant of Christ than to just being religious. In fact, some religious radicals, like Paul used to be, have done some really terrible things in our world and our history, haven't they? But Christians are different. Radical Christians love radically. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? If you want to be a radical Christian, it's going to cause you to love radically. And the most loving thing you can do is as you're pouring out your love on the people that don't deserve it, as Pastor Hassiani did with the robbers and the murderers, people that he was scared of, caused him to love radically enough to tell them the truth of the gospel. Church, let me ask you this. Do you love religion more than you love people? Do you love your Christianity more than you love people, sinners that are going to hell? Are you so religious that it keeps you from speaking to some people and loving on them because they're not the right kind of religious? Look what happened when Paul left religion to be a servant of the truth. Next we learned, Paul was chosen by Jesus, changed forever, and could not stop telling the world about it. Nothing they did to him could make him stop. And I just want to read to you these two verses. They're not up on the screen, but I want you to think about how Paul, what exactly Paul was thinking when he penned these words. But when he, who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, 
was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. This Paul, who was probably the least deserving of the gospel, I couldn't imagine how awesome that was to him. He knew he was an enemy of God, an enemy of the church, but God set him apart before time even started and, and called him to be a part of this, and it was by his grace. When I read these verses, I was studying for this uh, a couple weeks ago, these two verses just floored me. I was thinking about how I wasn't even a Christian until my late 20s, but God had already set me apart before I was born. He knew I would be standing here today with the privilege of preaching his word. I wasn't even a believer until age 27. He called me by his grace because without his grace, I am unqualified and I am unworthy to stand before you this morning. He was pleased to reveal his son to me the truth of his son and what his son did on the cross so that I may be saved. You know, I don't even remember the day. It was some summer day back in 2002, but I came into contact with Jesus. He changed me forever, and I will never stop telling the world about it. I don't care what they do to me. Church, can you remember a time where you heard the gospel message and, and for the first time it just kind of made sense? It like just finally clicked and then you were powerless against it. It just made so much sense that there was nothing you could do but bow down, repent and be forgiven for salvation. Don't ever stop telling people about that day. If not, if you're here this morning and you can't identify with that, I'll tell you this, you keep seeking the truth and you're gonna run smack into them. I can guarantee that. And of course, here at Villa's Grace, if we can help you in that endeavor in any way, we would be honored. So if that's something that's heavy on your heart or your mind, grab one of us pastors, please. Don't leave here today without grabbing one of us and say, I, I got some questions. I just want to clear some things up, and we would be glad to help you with that. Third, we learn this. The gospel was being preached by an enemy of the church, and God was being glorified because of it. The message is way more important than the one speaking it. When we stand up here on stage, we are sinners just like anybody else but it's the message that's important. So don't dis just discount what someone's saying because you don't happen to like them or because you're, you're just not digging them. Also, don't just believe someone because you think they're very religious. That is also very dangerous. But those in the first church weren't sure if they could trust Paul, but his message was the truth. And you know how they knew that? Because they themselves knew the truth of the gospel. Church, we should all be very, very careful who we lend our ears to. I can't stress that enough in these days. Do you recognize the truth when you hear it? Someone that shouldn't, you don't think, should be preaching the truth of the gospel? Would you recognize the truth of the gospel if somehow it started to come out of their mouth? 
or on the other side, someone that you thought was a solid Christian or you thought that they were solid, would you be able to know the gospel enough to decipher what they're saying doesn't line up with the truth? The gospel is not our message, but it's our message to preach. It reminds us of our main idea. The gospel message is from God, but it's sometimes spread by the most unlikely sources. Let me submit this to you this morning, church. That unlikely source might be you. It might be you who thought maybe you couldn't explain the gospel well enough. Or it might be you that, you know, someone, your past, they might try to hold the past, your past against you. You just might be that unlikely source that does great things for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you chose to reveal your truth to us, that we could be saved. It's by your grace and your grace alone that we can believe and become your children. We could be forgiven of sin and we can enter in a personal relationship with you. Father, I just pray that those who know you are encouraged this morning to remember their story and their first love and to share it with others. Lord, and I just pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you, Lord, that they just keep seeking the truth because you are waiting for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.